So this is the final week of our series, The, the Only Way is Jesus. Welcome to Sit Here. We're about lighting up our world so that people far from God can find life in Christ. And we are so glad you're here. If you haven't put out a card before that on the table saying we're so glad you're here because we are literally so glad you're here. We have a gift for you that we'd love to give you guys. The exits will be at the... <laughs> And your inside movie will be on later. Um, we take the awkward out of the offering, um, so there'll be nothing getting passed around today. We have wonderful, generous givers who give online via PayPal, Ping It, and the banking system. Jeez! Now I remember it all free. And um, yeah, I'm just really glad you're here. We're going to be looking at something a little bit weird today. So we're talking about we're talking about legacy, but we're not talking about legacy. It's a really difficult one. So the more I started to think about what I wanted to say, I couldn't find an appropriate title for it because it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And it just, it, it just gets all a little bit convoluted. And I tried to then put it on a timeline and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the timeline to fit. So it gets, it gets really mad confusing. So I'm kind of talking about legacy, but I'm not talking about legacy. And I can't find a word to talk about what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about legacy, but just know that I'm not talking about legacy. So I'm probably going to have to put this on the podcast as I'm talking about legacy, but I'm not really talking about legacy as the title because I'm beat. I'm stumped. So the last couple of days, I've been away with an amazing youth group, uh, King's Church in Epsom. They're a partner church that are supporting us at City Hill, and they're so cool. I've been with these kids. Man, I tell you what, I, I'm a bit tired. So like, if I fall asleep in my own talk, just prod me. Just prod me, okay? Uh, if you want, maybe this will be the one time you can slap me. Um, laying hands on me in the pharisaical way rather than uh, Jesus' way because um, I'm going to need that wake-up kick. So we had an amazing time. It's the weirdest and best youth trip I've ever been on. I've been doing youth camps with kids since I was like 15. I'm now like 32, so that's like 17 years. That's insane. And I think this was the best one. I've never had so many kids come up to me after talks going like, I actually really enjoyed that. That was so cool. I loved that. Man, thank you so much for what you just said. It was really weird. I felt like I'd gone away with like a convention of 30-year-olds who want to hear more about Jesus. It was insane off the chart. And some of them don't really even go church. And they're like, yeah. And then as, so there's like 11, there's 11 kids there and six of them are coming individually separate from everyone else going, man, that was so cool. I loved that. That was so good. Da, 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 da. And then someone else would come along and the next conversation go, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't happen. Like, I remember speaking somewhere and a kid tried to steal my phone while I was preaching. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, jeez, this is new. This is new, damn. I could do this all year. So it was just, I, mean, I ended up leaving there going, thank you so much for having me. And like, <laughs> shaking children's hands. Uh, no, giving them hugs. It was cool. It was cool. So that was, that was, that was really good. And kind of what we're, we're going to be talking about today is a little bit what I was kind of talking to them about. Um, but not really, because I talked to them about loads of different stuff, and it was just such, a, such an amazing and blessed time. So I'm hoping we have a blessed time today as well. I'm going to be going around the houses, so forgive me, because I'm confused by this talk. So this is the one Sunday where please forgive me if what I say doesn't come across with any amazing clarity or revelation, but I sound like a really confused rambler. That's totally what's probably going to happen. So it all starts... It all starts outside uh, of space and time. It starts with a notion that Paul talks about with saying that, that Jesus previously was in the form of God. So the notion is, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus is in the form of God. He takes on flesh and blood. It becomes, as we said before, devoted to God to the disregard of anything else. And not just to God, devoted to us, devoted to you devoted to me, to their disregard 
of everything else. He is so devoted to that that he is obedient to the point of death on a cross. And then Paul goes on to say that for this reason, God has given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul is writing that as a man that was a Hebrew who spent a lot of his time chasing Christians trying to kill them. He then encounters Jesus, spends three years discovering who Jesus is, then dedicates his life to sharing the gospel in the format of those who tried to kill for doing it. It's a crazy story. And now he's penned these words while sitting in a prison, a Roman prison. And what's insane about how he's penned these words that we talked about the other day is, is the world he's living in, what he is saying from a prison, a Roman prison, is so astounding. Because the world they live in when Jesus comes is a world where the Hebrew people are crying out for a Messiah. They want someone who will be like David, who will stand up, who will make their nation great again. Make Israel great again. They're looking for like, not Donald Trump, because um, he's not really going to make America great again. They're looking for that. That's the whole idea. That's the whole package. And Jesus, a few weeks back, and a few, few thousand years, two and a bit, he enters Jerusalem at the point of Passover where everyone has come down to this one city and they're all there to celebrate and remember their exodus from Egypt whilst they're under Roman occupation. People have been talking about this Jesus the Messiah and they're thinking, rags us on. This is it. This is it. This is going to happen. He's going to back the thing. He's going to back it. So as he's entering Jerusalem, they're lining the streets and they're grabbing like leaves, like palm leaves. They're not palm leaves, but whatever. And just laying them down. And as he comes in on this donkey, they're shouting, Hosanna, son of David, set us free, set us free. Set us free, son of David, set us free. And they're waiting for him to go into the garrison and, and, and duppy some use. And he doesn't. He goes and turns the opposite direction. He goes to the temple, as we said before. He grabs a whip and he whips the place, cleans house. And where he does the whipping is in the outer court. And the outer court is a really special place. For me, it's a really special place. And for City Hill, it's a really special place. It's a sacred place. What the outer court is, is the only place the Gentiles can come and pray. So anyone who's not a Jew can come and pray and encounter God in the outer court. They can't go the inner court. Um, they can't go any further. Uh, they can't go anywhere near the holies or the holy of holies. They can't go near that. They can go to the outer court. And what they've done is the outer court has come this place where there's all these things being sold where there's always money changers getting, making as much money as they can over Passover. And so they've stopped the space from being used for being a house of prayer. That's what Jesus says. You made my father's house a house of prayer into a den of thieves. So he clears the place out and he trashes it all. And it's crazy that he just loses it and just smashes the whole place up. And I think that was a key moment in Jesus being crucified. Because up until now, he's preached a lot of stuff that's made the establishment want him dead. But after you've just all lined the streets, cheering him on to go to the Roman garrison, and he's turned in and he start whipping you lot, public opinion polls, day before an election, Barabbas or Jesus, which one gets set free? Oh, not looking too hot. And so Jesus ends up being put on this, on this cross, 
And when he's crucified, it's Passover. And so when I'm talking about legacy, it's a, it's a weird one because what we're talking about today is we're talking about, we're talking about Exodus, but we're not talking about Exodus. And what we're talking about today is we're talking about the salvation of mankind, but we're talking about so much more than the salvation of mankind. And then when we're talking about it, we're talking about a fixed point in time, but we're not talking about a fixed point in time. We're talking about something that's bigger than time itself and the whole notion of it. Because Einstein says that the faster you go, the more compressed time becomes until it becomes simultaneous. And Jesus stands out. He was in the form of God, and he's kind of outside of space and time, comes into space and time, becomes flesh and blood like you and I. And then he dies on this cross. And the way he dies is so, just so bizarre because as they're all focused on Exodus and they're looking to him to bring a new Exodus and they're looking to him to be like Moses, which is what the Messiah would be. They're looking for him to be like David, which is also what the Messiah would be. And they've got all their hopes pinned on what they want him to be. And he's just, he's just not going to fit. He's not going to fit in the box that they want him to be. And let that be a lesson to us. Maybe Jesus isn't going to fit the box you want him to fit in. And maybe the idea and the understanding that you have, maybe the understanding that I have of who we want Jesus to be just simply is not going to fit. And maybe we need to have a moment today where we realize actually we'd probably choose Barabbas as well. Because maybe someone like Barabbas that would intentionally fix our immediate narrow vision of our problem. Because let's face it, how many of us are praying about eternal consequences at the moment? How many of us are praying about phone bills? How many of us are praying about the next month? If we think we'd choose Jesus over Barabbas, we're probably not very sincere. We tend to always see what's directly in front of us. Jesus sees something beyond. And so what happens is they meet together for Passover, but before he's crucified, he's entered into the city, he's whipped a load of people, he's got this room space that he's reserved, a bit like we have today, reserved this space. And they're sitting around a table together, having a good little shindig. Well, actually, they haven't been, they've been bickering for a while now about who's the greatest because obviously that's that's really important at that time of year hashtag not hashtag sorry not sorry and what happens is they're at this table and they're celebrating Passover and they're doing things that they would always do every single year every single year exactly the same Passover and every single year you would take emblems that you knew as a good Jewish boy were about Passover, they were about Egypt, they were about slavery, freedom, slavery, freedom. And it was about your ancestors way back then. It was a thing looking back that you would then look forward with the anticipation of experiencing the same thing. And so everything would have been locked around the Roman Empire in their minds, which is probably a bit why Peter still was ready to do a rags that's on bit with a sword and cutting man's ears off like that because he's still thinking, okay, Jesus, it's cool. We whipped the guys in the temple, but can we do this? Like, like, when's this actually going to pop? You know what I mean? This is getting a bit silly now. Um, He gets kind of put in his place. Jesus goes before Pilate. But there's things we need to know about the Passover. um, Where what they would do is they they took a a one-year-old lamb and they would make sure it was without blemish. They would make sure it was male. It had to be about a year old. They would keep it in the house for three days. It would trash the place uh, because if you keep a one-year-old uh, ram, lamb in, in your ram in your house, that's it. Like it's not what you picture. It's not that little bleating, cute little thing that everyone wants as a pet 
but nose will later come into that big hefty sheep that you'll be shearing for the rest of your life. It's not that cute thing. A one-year-old Middle Eastern ram is like, at its peak, it is tough and it is like, it would just wreck the place. It's a mountain lamb. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's the hard body of, of, the, of the sheep kingdom. And so you'd have that in your house and it would just wreck it. So Jesus comes three days before Passover and he trashes the house. Trashes the house. And then what happens is, Jesus, when he's imprisoned, he's examined and he's questioned. And one of the things that Pilate does, which is what you would do for Passover, is you would take the, the lamb, you would look at it, make sure there's no broken bones, make sure there's no, no um, blemishes in the skin or anything like that. And then when there was no broken bones, no blemishes, you'd go, oh, it's sacrificially fit. We can, this can be a Passover lamb. It can't just be any sacrifice. This is the Passover lamb. It's all without blemish, nothing wrong with it. And then what Pilate does is Pilate looks at Jesus and his words are, I find no fault with this man. And then he says these words, but I will punish him anyway. The Greek whip. The Greek word is to whip. So Jesus is taken and he's flogged and his back is torn up and the blood flows from his back. And at that moment when you discovered and you've seen that the lamb is without blemish, what you do is you, you cut it. You cut it. And the blood flows and you're like, sacrificially fit. And so there's this moment where Pilate doesn't realise it, but he's kind of like, he's kind of like looking at the, who John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's saying, oh, this is it. He's without blemish. He doesn't know his role. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And then he washes his hands, cleansing. <laughs> Jewish cleansing ritual as well. It's mad. And so then Jesus is seen as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as John says. He's put on this cross and he dies. But the crazy thing isn't that he dies on this cross. The crazy thing is that the meal they have, where they have Passover, is Jesus does something really weird. He kind of, he kind of takes the bread and they would have met together constantly, every single year, their whole lives and as they would have had this meal, the whole meal they would have had would have been about Passover and about Egypt. Everything they did would have been about Egypt. And Jesus takes the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you and for many. And they would have been sitting there and they'd have been like, oh, Rabbi, chill, steady. Like, we're talking about sacred stuff here. We're talking about, we're talking about one of the greatest moments in our, in our history, our tradition. We're talking about Passover. We're talking about Egypt. We're talking about when a people were enslaved and Pharaoh wouldn't let them go, an angel, the angel of death came down to kill all the firstborn sons because Pharaoh had killed all the Israelites' um, boys of a certain age. And so God has said, you've done this to my people. I've given you chances to let them go. You haven't let them go. Take your hand off my boy. You don't take your hand off my boy. I'm going to kill your boy. And I'm going to do it across the whole nation. And what happens is Pharaoh's own firstborn son dies. And that's a big deal because... In their tradition, Pharaoh's son is the living embodiment of Ra, living among the people. So when his son dies, it's like, Ra got moved to blood. Ra got duppied. Like, my God just got killed. The whole people, their God has just been killed. And they are freaking out. And that's why he's then not just the grieving as a father, but like, he, he, as a God, they look weak. All this time they've looked strong going, oh no, our God can do these pilot magic tricks. They let the people go. And, and, and everything they're talking about, symbols down to this, and what happened is they would take the Passover lamb, they took the blood, they put it on the doorpost, and the angel of death passed over the Hebrew houses, and it only happened to the Egyptians. And so when they're sitting there having this Passover meal, and they're remembering all this sacred stuff that really matters to them, 
they're kind of like so when he says this is my body broken for you and for many they were like oh jeez Jesus like fall back a second man this is this is this is crazy talk you can't can't be talking like that and then he goes and he pours the wine and he says this is my blood of the covenant poured out for you and for many and they're thinking like oh geez the rabbi's lost it the rabbi has 110% lost it and then he says this this statement he says do this in remembrance of me do this in remembrance of me and it's like Jesus steady steady son steady like I know we've done some you've done some miracles you've done some amazing stuff but we are talking about two million slaves leaving the most powerful nation in the known world and you're making it all about you like you're oh bit of a megalomaniac right now Jesus like chill bit narcissistic it's not really about you it's not what this is about and then we see him actually maybe all this time the Passover lambs they've been doing this whole thing with actually maybe none of them mattered and maybe outside space and time Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and maybe it was his blood um, symbolically that's on those doorposts and maybe it's him that means the angel of death passes over and maybe this whole time it hasn't actually been about Egypt and this whole time this whole festival has all been about Jesus um, and maybe this whole time it's really been about him and maybe just maybe uh, it's still about him and maybe just maybe some of us today have come and we've got issues we've got stuff going on and we feel like we're a bit in slavery at the moment and maybe, just maybe today, we're going to take some emblems together. We're going to take some emblems and we're going to believe that actually as I take this, I'm looking to Jesus because I believe that I'm going to walk out of this place free because I am looking to him as I take the bread and as I take the wine. And just as they left Egypt free, I'm going to experience the same thing. Maybe for others of us, we're in a place right now where you know what? Things are pretty cool. Well, what we're going to do is when we take the bread and we take the wine, is we're going to look back on that time in our life because if you haven't, can't, haven't got a time you can look back on that Jesus is the absolute saviour for your life, you don't know Jesus yet and I'll be happy to pray with you afterwards and talk to you kind of about um, believing in Jesus as your Lord and saviour because that's actually who he is. And so we're going we're gonna to do that um, in a minute. I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you guys a moment while I go to get the the wine to kind of reflect and pick which one of those two you're going to be today don't be inactive don't waste don't waste Leona Lewis a moment like this take it because he keeps bleeding keeps bleeding no that's just that's a stretch but take this moment to decide for yourself today is there something right here right now that is killing me that I need to believe him for that I can find newfound freedom in Christ or maybe do I need to right now look back and do this in remembrance of him? When he said, do this in remembrance of me, it's a big thing. They used to do it in remembrance of their parents, 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 all those generations back being set free. But when you take communion, what you're doing is you're doing remembrance of him. In remembrance of Jesus setting you free from your sin. He doesn't say one thing that you do this in remembrance of. You do this in remembrance of him because he sets all people free throughout all space, throughout all time from the slavery of sin because he who knew no sin became sin itself. So when we do this today, we can remember what he set us free from in the past, but maybe there's also things we need to remember he can set us free from right here and right now. Father, as we come to look at legacy, because actually what we're talking about is something that you did a long time ago and the repercussions of that and how they carried on remembering that every single year. And then actually we're not talking about legacy because the crazy thing about your gospel, Jesus, is you don't leave stuff behind, you put it ahead of you. 
into eternity. You take that which is here, which is fading away, and you pull it forward into that which can never fade away. And you call us to be people that no longer invest in that which moth and rust can get away, or gold or silver which can lose their value or gain their value, but you ask us to put our trust in that which is eternal, which is outside space and time and cannot be quantified in value by any person and cannot fade away in any value. And as we take these emblems, we are acknowledging the fact that actually you wish to do a work in us that isn't just here and now, that doesn't just fade away with the, the, the storms of life, but actually you wish to do something in us that helps us to be agents of change that lead others to gain eternal wealth and life and transformation. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that as we take these emblems, Lord, you would do something sacred and powerful this morning that would be a moment which we will be able to look back and remember for the rest of our lives because God is in this place and maybe we did not know it this morning when we came here. Amen. This is Jesus' body. This is what he... It was broken for us for, for your salvation, for my salvation. One last thing I'm going to say before we do this, actually, is um, I'm going to be a bit... I'm going to go with the, with the brutal. I'm going to share a, a brutal story because actually sometimes in life, life is brutal and beautiful. Um, years ago, I did a talk at a church in Croydon called Ribena and Economy Bread, The Mystery of Communion. I shared some of the stuff that I've just shared today. Some of it is different and not what I shared there. But one of the things we did is before we took communion is one of the things I shared was I shared a point in my life where I was a Euclidean at church, that church, um, and I remember a relation. I, I really liked this girl. It didn't happen. Didn't work. And I thought I had real hopes on that. It didn't happen. Got into a new relationship. Was sailing. Got really, really serious. And I wanted to marry. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. Didn't work out that way. Um, but as things got really serious, I was like, well, we couldn't get married at the time. And I just made a really terrible decision. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to act super married. I'm going to make a promise to you, and we'll be together. We'll be one, and we'll stay together. And then it wasn't long after that, she, a little while later down the line, maybe, I don't know, nine months or so, um, she, she decided, nope, and she ended that. And it felt like she ended my life for me. And she went off, and the next thing I know, a few weeks later, she's with this guy, that guy, and oh my days, my, my whole world imploded. And I remember being in a place where it felt like the life I saw ahead of me died. So I was alive, and for some of my friends, they were like, oh, who cares, man, get over it, like, who cares, man? I slept with loads of girls. <laughs> that was all my, all my mates. My closest friends, they, they weren't Christian. They didn't really care about that life. Went about it. And they were like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? This is like what I do every weekend. Like, chill. Um, but I was a mess. And I walked down my parents' road, Stoney Avenue to Stoney train station, uh, one late evening because I knew the fast train skips Stoney. It goes Worcester Park, goes your west, but skips Stoney. And I stood at that platform and I decided that when the fast train would come, all I would do is I would step out in front of it and that would be it. Um, I just didn't see a future and that was it. And in that moment when I was standing on the edge of the platform and the train was coming, um, my dad used to do this thing where as a kid, he would always tuck me in a bed at night and he would read me a Bible story or tell me about God and stuff or he'd tell me about what God had done in his life, God had done in his grand- my granddad's life, in his family's life or a friend member's life or, or someone we know. And he would share a story. And one of the stories my dad would always share is my mum and dad, they're really quite elderly. I'm 32. My dad would be, I think, 80 this year. And they couldn't have kids. And they had three miscarriages at birth. And my dad couldn't do it anymore. 
and a woman at a church just diagonally straight if we kept going not the Catholic one way past that onto the estate Elam Pentecostal church a woman there pen- prophesied and said you're going to have a son and my dad said no my mum was pregnant she was having me but she was losing me the same way as the other three and my dad ran to the front of that church crying his eyes out going please pray I can't do this again I can't, I can't lose another kid I, I, can't, I can't bear this I can't, can't take it anymore and my dad used to say to me as a kid he'd tuck me in a bed at night he'd say God heard their cry God healed your mum and he gave us you and we called you Andrew and Nathan there's different meanings for those names but they chose it on the grounds of promise and he said we called you it twice because you're a promise from God for us and as I stood at Stony train station I didn't hear my dad telling me that I was a promise from God I felt like I heard God say you are a promise from me and I remember standing there and I, I was like how can I be a promise what I just shared is that story that's the tip of the iceberg man I've done some messed up stuff in my life and I look at everything that's happened and he, all he said was you are a promise from me and I kind of fell back and I sat on this bench and I just burst into tears and I walked back up that road and went on a journey where God kind of brought me forward and brought a lot of healing in my life and did a lot of stuff why do I share that now and I don't mean to share that to kind of drag out a church service or to have any emotional response I mean it to say that when I break this bread and I take it I remember Stony train station that's what I remember and when I'm going to drink this wine I'm going to remember Stony Train Station because I'm going to remember one of my darkest days, not even the darkest, one of them. And I remember that Jesus brought me through that. And I remember that Jesus, through this moment, in this point in time that we remember today, we do remembrance of him because what he delivers me from is my story. But he has delivered you. And whatever you're going through now, he will deliver you. And so when we take this, look forward to what he will do in your life, but be thankful for what he has done. That is why we break bread. We celebrate something which is outside of space and time and bigger than anything we've ever known. And that is why we do it in remembrance of him. So if you'd like to take the bread in remembrance of him. Because it's wine, we're going to do the old school drink from the same cup. There's alcohol in it. No one's going to die thing today. And we're going to be stuck with that church syndrome of the dipping of the tissue. If you've ever been in one of those churches, just me, cool, whatever. This is his blood of the covenant that was poured out for you and for many. The disciples had this wine and had no idea what was going on. But after he died and rose again and ascended, they would have met together and had this for the first time and gone, oh, that's what this crucifixion was all about. That's what we just witnessed. That's what he died for. Father, in advance, I just thank you for everything that you are doing in everyone's life, um, exactly where they are. Um, in the past where they have been and actually for what you're going to do in the very distant future that we cannot even comprehend. Thank you so much, Father, that you were, you're, you're some, he, was, he was in the form of God, but he did not regard it something he needed to cling on to, but became in the likeness of one of us, that he could set us free from sin. Sin being a word to describe something so broad that all of us have sin in our lives that is different shapes, different sizes, All of us have different slaveries that hold us oppressed and restrict us from being free to be the creative people that you've called us to be and to flow in being in the image of God. I thank you that on the cross, as the Passover lamb, as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that you bring us into new freedom here and now, but actually more than that, that we will have eternal life which is not just the longevity, but also the quality of that life. Father, we are grateful that you have given us something so great beyond our comprehension, 
whether we understand it or not, we've received something much greater than a winning lottery ticket or being a billionaire. We have something that goes beyond the grave, goes beyond space and time and into the realm that is eternal. Thank you, Father, that your legacy isn't behind you, but is ahead of us and goes beyond our imagination. May we continue to find you in the sacred Eucharist of of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.